Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning, good morning. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen, Hour 2. If you missed Hour 1, I encourage you to go and listen to it uh, at MyFaithRadio.com, where it will be loaded up as a podcast. You can also get it uh, if you subscribe to Mornings with Carmen on, you know, whatever your podcast service is. There you go. You can download the Faith Radio app as well. And then, you know, you got, you, you got it available all the time, anywhere. Here are a few headlines that caught my attention this morning. I'm going to offer these up really without a lot of comment because I feel like just in reading them and and sharing one sentence, you can probably um, imagine what I'm going to suggest would be the conversational apologetic or the apologetic you, approach you would want to take in a conversation. I'll give you one sentence on each one. So Saudi Arabia quietly sentenced a woman last week to 34 years in prison over her Twitter activity. It marks the longest Saudi sentence ever um, for a peaceful activist um, launching a fresh wave um, of, uh, you know, of obviously feedback to the government um, on social media. But I want you to just consider that for just a moment. All she did was tweet And she's been sentenced to 34 years in prison. Words are not violence, people. Um, And 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 freedom of speech uh, isn't free. This is evidence of that. So uh, there's a little uh, be careful what you tweet and then where you travel um, as a part of that conversation. But there's also just this acknowledgement that the things that we take for granted here in the United States, um, they are not enjoyed the world around. Here's another headline. Russia's Vladimir Putin this week revived a Soviet-era award that was launched in 1944 to encourage Russians to supersize their families. It is called the Mother Heroin Award, and it goes to women who bear 10 or more children, offering financial incentives and um, all kinds of uh, social capital to spur population growth. I don't know. I'm not even going to comment. I'm not even going to comment on that. Like, so, okay. There's so many things you could say there. Um, and so many tacks you could take in that conversation. Um, moms are great and we're so grateful for them. Um, but women also um, maybe should not be re- reduced in this way to um, to simply agents of reproduction. Um, And we want to talk about a government's motivation to have lots of children, right? What is motivating that? And, um, and what is happening to all of the children who needed to be adopted out of Russia because they weren't being sufficiently cared for by their families? Like there are a lot of conversations to be, um, to be had here. 
Brazil's main presidential election candidates are um, battling for the evangelical vote in Brazil. Um, They are tossing barbs back and forth. One is saying of the other, he is possessed of the devil. Um, Another uh, is talking about the religious rituals, um, alleging that um, that one of these individuals is, quote, connected to the underworld. Yeah, so it's interesting when theological phrases start emerging in um, political discourse in ways that really only evangelicals would even be able to understand. But it does tell you how big the evangelical vote is in Brazil. Um, and interesting to know that folks there are sparring over it by um, by suggesting that, you know, the, the opposition is actually evil. Um, all right. And then let's see. China's health. National Health Commission has announced that it is going to take steps to reduce the number of abortions in China. Um, And this is Beijing's latest attempt to tackle low birth rates there as well. So China and Russia um, suffering from the ways in which they limited their populations in the past, now trying to stimulate population growth um, through various and sundry measures. Worldview matters. Worldview matters. I mean, when we talk about the advantage um, of babies, right? China and Russia both wanting to stimulate population growth. Um, it's interesting to turn the conversation here toward home and ask why so many people want to kill babies. It's just an interesting conversation to have. All right, and then one more, one more. Here's one more. This uh, this headline brought to mind the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, um, and I'll just uh, I'll just read it. One skyscraper stands out from the rest on the Manhattan skyline, not because it's the tallest, but because it's the skinniest. The 84-story residential Steinway Tower now holds the title of most slender skyscraper in the world. It has a logic-defying ratio of width to height, 23.5 to 1. The tower is... um, it has 60 apartments in it. They range from 18 million to 66 million per unit. They have 360 degree views of the city. It's located just south of Central Park in part of Manhattan's 57th Street, which is known apparently as Billionaire's Row. Mm-hmm. It is 1,428 feet, the second tallest residential tower in the Western Hemisphere. And yes, and yes, the higher you go up, the more it sways. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, they've already measured uh, in the upper floor apartments a sway of several feet when it's windy. There you go. Mm-hmm. I am thinking Psalm 143, teach me to do your will, O Lord. Um, may your good spirit lead me on level ground. Yeah, there you go. Just the application of a verse to life. Dr. Peter Kapsner is up next. We're going to jump around in some other headlines with him. Relationships. Yes, it's complicated. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
Dr. Peter Kapsner is back. I'm thinking of sending him to New York City to the top of the new skinny tower to see just how far it sways. <laughs> there is a less than zero chance that that's going to wow. happen. I, I wow. think I stood. Is There's a sky needle or something in Toronto, I think. And, mm-hmm. and uh, when, when Hallie and I got married, that was one of the places we went for a couple of days on our honeymoon. And they had one of those little walkout areas where you walk out on some sort of allegedly safe glass to be able to look straight down from there. Never again, Carmen. I will Mm -hmm. never do something like that again. So just for the record, the Sky Needle is 605 feet. This thing is 14... (laughs) Yeah, no chance. 1428. Yeah. Past the 10th floor is is more than enough for me. I I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's twice as tall as the Sky Needle, and you were freaked out by that. Yeah, no, 100%. Honestly, the third story of a building is more than enough at at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going with, I'm just, I'm just happy on the ground. I'm just, okay. Yeah, yeah. You um, you can't fall off the ground. I mean, that's the thing. At the end of the day, when you're on the ground, you can't fall off the ground. And yet here we are, a fallen people. We are indeed. We are indeed. Well played. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Okay, there is a lawmaker who... um, you know, it's only the left that's going to make much of this. But I think that it's worthy of conversation because those of us who are people of biblical conviction, um, we say things in public, we advocate for things in public, and then those things are tested in private. And mm. when our private life does not align with what we advocate for in public, we get skewered. And so that's mm. what's happening um, to Representative Glenn Thompson. He's a Republican uh, member of Congress from Pennsylvania. Um, and his son um, got married on Friday. Um, a few days earlier, his dad had voted against the Respect for Marriage Act, which, you know, is only complicated because his son is gay and this was a same-sex marriage. So just talk with us about how complicated life has become. Yeah, I think we, we all know, right? And anybody listening this morning knows um, this, just what you just described, how complicated it is because we live in this tension of our dearest and deepest loved ones uh, that are that have been pretty significantly impacted in a variety of ways uh, in their in their journey in sexuality, which uh, really these last seven or eight years has been this combination of same gender wedding ceremonies as approved by the state and then increasingly improved by some church denominations. And then we have the gender blurring phenomenon as well that has really, obviously come to the fore these last three or four years. And and these are our loved ones. And so we, we live in this tension of having theological, biblical convictions that marriage is about one man and one woman. And then when it's our dearest loved ones, it's it's amazing how quickly our thinking, it doesn't, I don't want to say it gets compromised or I don't want to say it changes. It just gets really murky because we uh, we we don't want to part ways with the people that are closest to us. We don't want to see the divisions happen. And so in this lawmaker situation, you're right. Somebody is saying that they public, publicly are advocating for the support of male and female marriage. And yet uh, privately in their family, something very different is happening. And I think you have to bring those two worlds together somehow uh, in terms of staying faithful to your biblical convictions and to the biblical, it's not your, the biblical convictions, while also staying on the journey with people. And so there is increasing possibility for that middle ground. There are ways in which you can say, hey, um, we're coming from very different places on this, and um, and we're going to have to let this play out for a bit uh, and see 
kind of what happens. I'm with you on the journey. I can't compromise my beliefs about marriage, but, uh, but it takes daily wisdom and daily prayer about knowing how to handle any given relationship. And, and so it's complicated and it's murky, but I think where we immediately lose credibility is exactly what you said. When, when there's not a public honesty among church leaders or a public honesty among anybody in terms of what's going on in their life behind the scenes like that, you just then lose all credibility. And so we there in my class on sexuality and, and I started again next week, I'm looking forward to, to getting uh, into the uh, jumping into the waters with the students because uh, we have that space over a couple hundred minutes at a time to really talk about what does it mean to be a faithful witness of the kingdom in light of these murky relationships with our loved ones. I mean, you, you know me, Carmen, I've said enough on your show over these years that I strongly advocate for male and female only marriage. I, over the years, the students have forced me to really think through the biblical underpinnings for that in a way that makes sense. I can articulate them and I can say them. And, and once there's confidence that yes, male and female marriage really is the design and here's why around all of that, once somebody has confidence in that, they can more easily stay on the journey with their loved ones who are confused by all of this. And, uh, and anything that's not God's kingdom stuff eventually is going to fall apart. And, and we need to be there to pick up the pieces. But wow, we need to take the time to equip ourselves now to understand really what's going on here. Yeah. And, you know, folks are asking, well, what could Glenn Thompson have done differently? You know, I think he was already personally, um, you know, committed to attending his son's wedding. And so, Maybe he should have just not voted on this particular yeah. piece of legislation, right? I mean, I super you know, fair. So, I mean, I, I think there are um, there are ways he could have dealt with this differently um, that would not have put his public advocacy and his um, and his private actions in such um, you know obvious tension. All right, we're going to take Good. a very brief break, and then um, we're going to talk uh, about the possibility of Peter taking a road trip on our behalf. There is a um, a preacher in Indiana, that's that's one of his jobs. But um, but by day, he is building Batmobiles. More on that next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Indiana preacher faces trials and tribulations after Batmobile shop is raided. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> there was an angry Batmobile buyer from California who, because he has friends in high places, he uh, he sicked them on this uh, this guy who is um, uh, uh, builds Batmobiles by day, but is a preacher by weekend. <laughs> it's such a it's great a, story. I couldn't skip over it. <laughs> it's a, it's a phenomenal story. I mean, do you ever think that you have missed your the calling? The Jesus in life? people, like, I know the Jesus people are up to such, to such good things in the world. Uh, 
I mean, I, I don't know how you start thinking you have the capability of building a Batmobile, but I clearly missed whatever that opportunity is. And uh, and he was a big Batmobile. He was a big Batman fan. And so he was. He's a part time preacher. He started building these Batmobiles and he delivered one, I want to say, to to a friend of his. And it was supposed to maybe be a one off deal. But people, of course, got wind of what he did because these are legit replicas of the, of the original Batmobile, right? I like, and, I like, I mean, if you were to go to the Christian Chronicle and look at this, which, by the way, yeah. the link is in the show notes today. Um, so you should get the podcast later. Look at the podcast notes and uh, the link is in there. I like the first one that he built was when he was like a little kid and he has covered um, the wagon with cardboard and drawn on it. Like he has been at this for a while. Yeah, but... Well, and then it got crazy because he got swamped with orders and even DC Comics came and uh, and he's the only officially licensed uh, legal Batmobile maker, which, again, <laughs> who doesn't want that title? There's nobody that's ever going to say, gosh, what a bummer that I've been licensed by DC to make Batmobiles. And and then the story took this weird twist where I think he can make approximately two per year from the way it sounds. So he might need a little Elon Musk's help to ramp up uh, production. <laughs> he but just has he, this uh, one he, garage. These like fiberglass well, freaks but, in Logansport. That's it. Like it's, that's it's it. It's scalable, little. right? Yeah, but, yeah. but I'm sure you can yeah. scale it up. But he had a guy in California that uh, was not making his payments on time. Apparently, you had to pay as it was being built. And so this guy got bumped to the back of the Batmobile line, which nobody wants that when you're expecting your Batmobile. And so this guy in California apparently hired his buddy within law enforcement. And law enforcement <laughs> showed up in Indiana and tried to shut down the preaching Batmobile maker. And... And they did. It was effective. Now, most of the, the charges, they haven't been officially dropped because once people got word of what had happened and kind of the false accusations, I, I want to say there was four million people on YouTube that sort of rallied to his cause and said, this is ridiculous. We support the Batmobile maker. And uh, the, the the case is still pending on some levels. But I mean, kidding aside, it's, it's a little sobering, Carmen, that... Um, Somebody can have uh, maybe some of their livelihood and business just shut down that readily. I know a friend of mine who was rebuilding all-terrain vehicles. He was buying them at auctions and then reselling them. And he and his wife had a a, a nice, quiet business in um, in, in the South. And he was a, also a youth pastor during the week. And just because of some unusual deposits that they made because they were just doing things in cash – um, the, I, I want to say the feds showed up underneath the auspices of the Patriot Act and assumed that they were funneling terrorist money and they got shut down for an extended period of time. We had to write articles on their behalf in the court and say they're really actually doing OK. They're not doing anything seedy or, or weird about this. But that kind of happened with the preacher at, at this point. I think it sounds like all productions will be go again. We'll have more Batmobiles out in the field. But but that part was a little sobering about how quickly uh, power can exert itself in certain circumstances. So maybe that's the one sobering takeaway from the article. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. I so, mean, um, all of the leads to this start with the word holy, like, like holy Batman, like, uh, holy, uh, yeah. holy political favors, Batman. And which made me just, uh, I was just reminded, um, that pretty much most of Robin's statements in the Batman series start with the word holy. Um, yeah. Should that word be maybe reserved for other things? Oh, that's a good question. I know, you know, we went back and forth a little bit on this before the show. And, and you know, I, I, I have to say I have a specific fondness for the spandex ridden, uh, you know, orange robin of the old. Uh, <laughs> well, old and like Batman we say, holy cow, like, right. Oh, wait, I mean, and, they're, they're, and, right, and we use cat. the term I, a lot. 
Yeah, oh, holy cats. So, there are no holy was, cats, by the way. It's, it's, it's part of Americana that. that he used holy all the time in, in mm-hmm. this. And and so, I, you know, I think there, there's that line between legalism and, and fussiness and, and actual um, being uh, reflective and wise in, in terms of how we use words. And, and so, I, you know, I don't. I will say this for me when I sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God mm. almighty. Um, mm. and, and those songs drive me to, to, to tears and sometimes to my knees and in, in front of God, that doesn't seem compromised when I watch an old episode of Batman. So I think we have to be a little bit careful and mindful. Clearly we need to think about it, but I resist the legalistic tendencies, um, because this is a matter of the heart and a matter of the spirit. We're meant to live, um, with a circumcised heart in which the law is written. And, and I think, that maturing believers are able to distinguish the difference in a lot of these kinds of conversations. And so I wouldn't say that dogmatically, but, um, but I don't see anything about having watched Adam West in the old Batman movies that has compromised uh, my deep sense of reverence and holiness for the God of heaven. All right. We're, uh, we're out of time. I can't believe that. We are holy, out of time. holy cats, Peter. We're out of time. That's my phrase. Um, I do use holy cats. I admit it. <laughs> I know. We got to take a break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. But Dr. Peter Kapsner, thank you as always for joining us. You guys are great. Thanks, Carmen. Absolutely. Listen to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Holy hole in a donut. Holy hole in a donut. Sometimes I see something on social media and I say to myself, I'd like to talk to that person in real life. And sometimes my producer, Paul Perot, makes it happen. So I'm Carmen LeBurge. If you're just joining us, this is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. And I am on Twitter at Carmen LeBurge. And one of the people I follow is a regular guest on our program. His name's Dean and Sarah. He's a pastor in Tallahassee, Florida. And one of the people who follows Dean is a guy named Steve Swan. And so Steve had commented on something that Dean had posted, and I thought to myself, um, I, I am going to pull that thread. I'm going to pull that thread. Um, I am going to, um, I'm going to see who Steve is and what Steve has to say. And so when I looked him up, I, um, I tracked him down, and he is having what I will describe as a northern adventure he is up in the Northwest Territory in Canada in a place called Yellowknife, and he is serving there as pastor. And I thought, you know what? It'd be fun to get to know Steve. So Steve Swan is up next here on Morning for Carmen. Pastor Steve Swan is joining us now from Yellowknife. Steve, good morning. Uh, good morning, Carmen. Okay, so I hope you don't feel like this is like kind of stalkish where, you know, I met you on social media and then I thought I really want to meet him in real life because he intrigues me and he's serving in a place that um, is very different from where I live. And I'd like to talk to my brother in Christ. So welcome okay. to Mornings with Carmen. Yeah, thanks, Carmen. It's, it, it's probably the only good thing that ever came out of me being on Twitter, I guess, but uh, happy to meet you. <laughs> I'm happy to meet you as well. Um, tell us where you are um, and what life is like in Yellowknife. 
Yeah, well, um, my family and myself, we, we live in Yellowknife Northwest Territories. That's, that's, that's pretty far north in uh, Canada. And uh, we've been here for over five years. And Yellowknife is a, is a very wonderful place to live. And it's, it's considered remote, um, but it's a, it's a pretty great life. Yeah. And if you Google it, like it's a real city. I mean, it's small, but it's a real like there's real stuff there. It's not. Yeah. It's not yeah. It's like you're you're not wearing like snowshoes and trying to trap beavers like it's like it, it's a real city. Well, yeah, it is a real city, but there is that, too. Um, it's <laughs> it's a uh, it's a real city. Um, it's the capital of the territory. Uh, it it is a real urban center, but it, the proximity to wilderness and all the frontier type stuff is is there as well. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, I I met you. I became aware of you um, when you um, answered or responded to a tweet by a mutual friend of ours, Dean and Sarah. Yeah, I and follow him. People yeah. were yeah, people were kind of joking on on a thread that he had written. And then you responded with something quite serious. Um, And in it, you alluded to the process of trying to adopt a foster child with special needs. Can you just talk a little bit about your um, your experience? Um, Because in it, you know, you say, you know, I really saw the brokenness and the evil of the system. Yeah. So my wife and I, we have uh, two biological daughters and they're they're older now like my my younger daughter is about to turn 11 in a couple weeks um and we kind of thought our family was done but then a few years ago we felt the i guess you could say not to be over mystical or whatever but we we felt a call from the lord to adopt and um the need in the northwest territories is pretty great for children who need homes and so we um, we did all the paperwork and we did all that stuff. And then there was a long wait. And then in the summer of 2020, um, this little boy came into our lives and he's still with us and he's a wonderful little guy. Um, and but um, we've kind of been through a, a, a process where even though he's still with us in our home, we've kind of watched all the optimism and the hope of being adopted, uh, of being able to adopt him kind of disappear out from under us um, and having to kind of navigate all the emotions of that and having to navigate the system as well, which is a pretty windy labyrinth of, of, of things. Right. So that's kind of the basic scenario and, Mm. And yeah, and I think I tweeted, I probably tweeted that on a, on a, on a low day, but, uh, it, it's, uh, not quite all that bad every day, but, um, you know, and so we, we're, we're kind of stuck in a limbo where we love this boy immensely and would love to give him a permanent home. Uh, but yet because of shifting legislation under our feet and shifting dynamics, um, it doesn't look likely at this point, but then yeah. also his departure from our home is not imminent either. So it's like I said, it's a limbo. I um, first of all, I want to I want to celebrate the calling. Um, we we don't consider that mystical at all. Like right, that's yeah, God, yeah. God does that. God has called us by name. He has adopted us into 
um, his family. Um, you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ because we're both adopted. Um, and so right. I, 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 um, I want to celebrate that adoption theology and the way that you and your family are living it out um, in the life of this boy. Um, and I want to celebrate, um, you know, I want to sell I mean, I know it feels impermanent, but I want to celebrate the, um, the time, the extended time that he has been in your family and all of the things that God is doing in through and for him. Um, and in each one of you as well. Um, it's a, it's a testimony and it's a gift and we cannot know, like we cannot know, um, just how significant and important, you know, this time is. And I also want to be of encouragement to you um, in terms of the process ahead. Um, I'll be one of those people that will be praying that um, every stumbling block, um, every barrier, uh, every impediment will be, you know, brought low and just crushed, um, that, that the rough places would be made smooth and that the way would be clear for you to, um, become his forever family. Um, and so I just, you know, I, I think that as brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes we just got to reach out to each other and, um, and hear each other's stories and acknowledge that this family of faith is bigger than we might imagine in the small places we live. Um, and that, you know, regardless of how, um, you know, how large the congregation is that you serve, you know, you're a pastor that, you know, that's ultimately a shepherd of, of another part of my family. And so um, I just wanted to encourage you more than anything. I wanted to hear your story, but I also just wanted to be a voice of encouragement to you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So um, um, it says on uh, your church website <clears throat> that if I'm a skeptic, a new believer, a mature Christian, or just feeling lost and lonely, that I am invited to Sunday morning service. Um, what yeah. would I experience if I were to find my way to Highway 3 next to the North Country Stables? Yeah, well, uh, you'd, find, you'd find a lovely What would I be wearing? Let's do this. What would I be wearing? Let's start there. Because if I'm going to show up, I want to be comfortable, and that means I need to know what to wear. In August? Uh, <laughs> just regular clothes, I guess. <laughs> uh, um, in, 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 if you come in December or January, you might have to dress up a little warmer, but, um, no, in August it's, it, you know, a casual, um, uh, dress. Um, my, my congregation, we meet in an old dairy barn that's been converted into a church building. So, um, yeah. And it's just, we're, a we're, a all the churches in Yellowknife are small. Um, so you know, I'm I'm the solo pastor, chief cook, and bottle washer. You'll be greeted by a very warm congregation, um, and you know we're limping a little bit uh, pre post COVID, like every congregation in uh, probably in North America. But um, yeah, you'll be greeted by a, greeted warmly by an interesting group of people, and you'd you'd get the regular stuff that feeds our Christian faith, um, the preaching of the word and the prayers of the people and the ministry of the Lord's table, uh, the basic stuff that's sustained us for 2000 years. Try not to be too unique. Try to just be the regular means of grace type church. And, uh, and I hope that would be enough to intrigue somebody to 
stick around and find out more about Jesus if they didn't know too much. And if they did love the Lord already, um, would be an opportunity for them to join a community where they could become a real part of the, of that, mm. uh, of that congregation. I love that. I love that. We're talking with Steve Swan. He is the pastor of the Yellow Knife Alliance Church in Yellow Knife, uh, the Northwest Territory of Canada. Um, and I'm going to ask him next. Um, apparently he once bought a donkey. I'm going to ask him to tell me why. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a Faith Radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God, that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus. Well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a Faith Radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, we will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a Faith Radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. Steve Swan is a pastor in Yellowknife, the Northwest Territory, uh, Yellowknife Alliance Church. Um, I found him on Twitter, and uh, and I just thought, uh, this is a guy I want to meet. And so we're talking with him. He's 250 miles south of the Arctic Circle, if you want to locate him geographically. Um, Steve, maybe you could uh, tell us, you did share on Twitter once that you bought a donkey. I think I would like to know that story. Yeah, I um, I did I did buy a donkey one time. That's true. Um, it's usually something I just tell people uh, in my annual Palm Sunday sermon, right? Because that involves a donkey. <laughs> but um, yeah, I like I'm 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 originally from uh, a larger city in Canada. You know, not not too far in, from the North Dakota border, right? So, kind of a prairie boy. Um, but I, but I'm a city guy, right? Like I've never been on a farm or anything, but um, a couple of friends of mine and myself, we were, we were in Northern Saskatchewan one time and my friend had a piece of property and he had a horse there that wasn't doing well. Cause I guess horses are, they don't do well when they're alone psychologically and yeah, and he didn't have, animals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And, but, but horses are fairly ex expensive and, and we, and we didn't have a lot of money, but we saw advertised, a donkey that was for sale for $50. And so we drove and picked up this donkey and um, so the horse could have some company and, and uh, learn some, learn some lessons about how different a donkey is from a horse. But, um, but yeah, that's the story. That's the story. All right. So in the future, just so that you know, um, goats are a, an excellent companion animal and super cheap. So there you go. If you, yeah, if, if a horse, if a horse needs a companion animal, you can just get him a goat. Yeah, because yeah, well, the one thing we learned is that horses do really well in a cold Canadian prairie winter, um, but donkeys don't. They need they need better shelter. <laughs> so the donkey sadly actually didn't uh, didn't oh, no. make it. But okay, well, we're not we're not calling the we're not calling anybody about that. Um, so uh, so now now people have questions, um, which I totally appreciate. 
Could Steve take us on a spiritual tour of the area? I imagine um, it's largely indigenous. So there you go. Take us on a spiritual tour of the area. Okay, well, Yellowknife is is uh, a place where people have dwelt for a long, long time. Uh, the the Dene people, the, the Yellowknife's Dene First Nation is still a big part of our community, uh, surrounded by other Dene nations um, in the close proximity. Um, white people have only really lived here since um, the late 1920s into the 1930s. There was a bit of a gold rush here, and that's when you know, kind of settler population started, but um, the Denian peoples, the Denian people in the area were reached by Roman Catholic missionaries um, quite some time ago. And so they still have that uh, as a part of their identity. Mm. Um, and um, the territory in general is, is just over 50% indigenous. Although there's, although the other, the other half is uh, very diverse you know, um, white Canadians, uh, immigrants of all kinds come here. It's always been a place of opportunity. It's it's a pretty, uh, you know, for people to come, for professional people to move to and kind of get ahead in their industry. Um, it's not a very churched place. It's certainly not anywhere near a Bible Belt. Um, there's several great uh, evangelical, evangelically inclined churches in town. Uh, of which I consider ourselves one, but, um, you know, so the gospel is being preached, but it's not a, it's not, I don't consider it especially fertile ground um, culturally, um, but it's a, it's a unique place. It's a, I, I like to call Yellowknife a wonderfully weird place because I think what happens is uh, geographical frontiers attract social fringes. So people who sometimes don't, we, we, we sometimes say that people move to the far north when they're, they're either um, mercenaries, missionaries, or misfits. Uh, they're either trying to make money, they're either trying to change the world, or they don't fit in anywhere else. And so Yellowknife has a real eclecticism, if I said that word right, I hope. Um, and yeah, and that's about that. I guess that's the summary. I, I hope that's a sales pitch. Maybe, maybe, maybe people in uh, Minnesota think, or Tennessee will consider moving here because it's the it's a great yeah. place to live. <laughs> no, I I like uh, I like the idea. Geographical frontiers do uh, attract social fringes. I do think that people move um, motivated by uh, you know yeah by opportunity. So those might be the mercenaries. Um, by the the desire to change the world, um, missionaries, and then yeah, because they don't fit where they are, um, and uh, you know, and here in the United States of America, you know, any any young man that wants to go west and the go west young man spirit, there's no west to to go to. Like we've run out of we've run out of interesting frontier um, for a lot of folks. Uh, and yeah, you, you still got you Alaska though, eh? <laughs> yes. We do still have Alaska. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah we're a bit yeah. like the Alaska of Canada, I guess. But <laughs> The Alaska of Canada. Yeah. I love that. No, I think it's a good sales pitch. And I think that you've done well to invite people to Yellowknife um, in the summer 
because I think that in the winter, it's not a place most of us would be fit to, I mean, we'd be, we'd be like the donkey. We're, we, are, we are more like the donkey than the horse in your story. There's great northern lights, though. We're famous for it. Mm. Uh, people, people come, people come from Japan, China, all the time. At least pre-COVID, they, you know, our tourism, Asian tourism, was a big deal. People come to see the Northern Lights, Carmen. You, you well, know, okay, you when might does consider that, it. Yo, no, I would totally consider that. So, when would that be? Uh, well, anytime the sun goes down, you can, you might see uh, uh, Northern Lights. So. September but this time to, of year, I was going to say this time of year, the sun doesn't really go down. So although I just I, I just saw on Instagram, a friend of mine said, you know, we are getting a couple hours of, of darkness now at night and uh, we are getting a few hours. So uh, she did just post on Instagram that the northern lights are out again. So ah. um, they're starting. But yeah, usually October to March is a great time to come. All right. There you go. I'm putting it on the calendar. I, I, I will not show up unannounced. I, I assure you that if I'm coming to Yellowknife, you will be the first to know. Oh, uh, perfect. <laughs> what a delight. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us today. Could we um, could we pray for you before you go? Oh, sure. Yeah. Hmm. Father, thank you for Steve. Um, thank you for his family. Thank you for the congregation with whom he serves. Thank you for um, the mission field set before him. Um, thank you for uh, this, uh, this little boy um, who's so blessed to be a part of the swan's life. We would ask, Father, that you would bring down every barrier that still remains um, between between today and his adoption into their family as his forever family. We just ask that as a gift and a grace this day. Continue to use the congregation that he serves um, in ways that positively impact the community where they live and let their light shine so bright in this northern space. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Carmen. Thank you, Steve. What a delight. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Okay, I think it's kind of fun that we've talked to a couple of pastors today, um, James Merritt, who um, has pastored congregations of, you know, more than 10,000 people at a time, uh, and has served as the pastor of, you know, the entire Southern Baptist Convention at one point, um, and Steve Swan, who, I don't know, you know, he doesn't have 12,000. I, I bet there's some days, um, right, that he has 60 or 70. So it's um, uh, it's a blessing, it's a blessing to know the members of the body of Christ. These are our brothers and sisters with whom we're going to spend eternity. God has knit us together as a global fellowship of believers to accomplish his will in this generation, to shine the light of his love, um, to be people who are agents of his grace and always advancing uh, the gospel of Jesus. I mean, so it's fun. It's fun to meet each other, right? It's fun to connect. Uh, and it's now you've got somebody to pray for um, in in uh in the northwest territory i know where the northern lights are <laughs> you know i know some of you were like uh looking um looking for flights yeah mm-hmm. to yellow knife there you go when you get there visit steve swan's church it's um it's a uh, it's next to the stables on highway three it's in an old dairy barn i mean i i love that don't you love that um well we are going to get back together right here tomorrow 
um, and we are going to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of the day. Why don't you invite somebody to join us? Why don't you share today's episode with someone? Invite them to download the Faith Radio app or subscribe to the podcast. You can catch it at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, draw someone else into the listening community. And then um, tomorrow you can, you know, listen together and have fodder for conversation. Because I'm sure there are things that we talk about that uh, stimulate you to want to have conversations with others about similar topics. So there you go. Um, Thank you so much for including me in your day. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.